Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, DGens and DGenettes, to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha in money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani, Eric Johansson, Stephen Cesaro, and I am Arman Asadi. All links at alfalfapod.com. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching on YouTube and follow us on the socials. And most importantly, hop in our Discord to join the community for the after party and more alfalfa. Welcome to episode 42 of the Alfalfa Podcast, bringing the energy (laughs) for my man, Tinfoil here. We're talking about your financial privacy. Uh, Obviously, some big shit went down over the last few days uh, with Tornado Cash and uh, the real headline we've got for you today is uh, your financial privacy is under attack. And we're going to solve that. We're going to talk about that. It's funny because a few days ago, uh, right before this this event that you'll kind of share what, what happened, Stephen. But a few days ago, I literally texted you. And I was trying to understand the mechanics of Tornado Cash because I haven't used it before. I promise, Mr. Government. Um, <laughs> and I definitely haven't used it now. But I wanted to understand um, from a privacy perspective really the mechanics of how this all works. And we were texting about it, comparing what would it look like to move your crypto to an exchange and then send it back to yourself versus using a a mixer like Tornado Cash. And we were kind of texting back and forth about this. And, you know, we said, hey, let's do let's do a call. Let's let's go deeper on this. But here we are now a few days later, and this has been sanctioned by the government. And something that I personally am very passionate about is privacy. And maybe I'll be proven wrong that that's even important at all in crypto after this episode, but I care about it a lot um, personally. And um, Nick just reminded me we're kicking off with the alfalfa round. So before we get way too far ahead, let's kick off with that and then we'll come back to, to the stories. All right. We'll, we'll call that a teaser. That was, that a, was a huge great teaser. teaser though. No, now I'm all, how do I even switch gears now? <laughs> you need a new segue though. Got to make up a new segue on the floor. Yes. Here we all go. All right. All right. Give me the money. All right. So uh, last week on, I believe it was Friday, I started buying some SBY puts and bought some more on Monday. Um, get, again, to hedge the the portfolio, the I guess public equities portfolio. Um, told myself I would start at around forty two hundred, so I, I followed it. I was, it was a little nervous going into the CPI print, but in the case, that's that's the moves I made for the week. Nice. Well, we're pumping, so mm-hmm. those puts aren't looking too good. But nope. But like you said, but the the big bags up, so right, net, it's net long. And and I think uh, you know we at the table, especially currently, I'm looking at Stephen. We have a long bias, and like most most investors do, like you, you you mostly buy stocks or you know buy assets. You don't short sell them. So I think like you know buying hedges can be a smart play. And uh, if my hedges go to zero, that means things are good, right? You, right. Then yeah. your money's up right. uh, net. So um, you know I think this macro thing is is very tough to read. You know I'm I'm still of the opinion that like. Assets are are going to crash again. You know, like what path it takes to get there. Who knows? Um, you know, something that I thought of recently is um, it's a quote by Ben Bernanke, uh, former former Fed chair. And he, he said something to the tune of like, um, you know, we try to predict the weather, and we can't even get that right. You know, we try to predict the weather ten days out, and we can't even get that right. And that's bound by the laws of physics. So you know. Far be it from people to try to predict price when that like has the element of human behavior and psychology in it that like muddles up everything. So part of me just thinks like 
you know, what, what is even the point? And, and the point for, for someone like Nick is like, well, you're trying to, you're trying to protect, you're trying to hedge downside risk. So, um, you know, I have hedges. Those are probably lower today than they were before, but you know, we're all happy that, that every, everything's pumping. So that's good. You know, I, I think, uh, in, the, in our Discord, I shared that I, I bought some calls, you know, 1,500 strike calls uh, in the near term and, and 2,000 strike calls going out to next June. And, and I'm trying to maneuver how to play these things. And I, I, I said at the time, I was like, well, I'll probably look to close those out um, when the merge happens. And, you know, like we're not at the merge yet, but we're pumping. And I think the way I haven't, I haven't done anything there, but I think the way I'm going to play that is instead of selling those calls at market, I'm going to sell calls against the calls that I, I hold, like sell out of the money. Like I'll sell 4,000 strike against my calls and, and probably actually use proceeds to buy puts just in case. Like, Interesting. Yeah. Just to hedge against the downside risk like you just did. Yeah. So, that's, that's what I did coming into uh, the print and didn't end up being uh, necessary. Obviously it was a good print. I, I, I was also... I was also hedged short, probably like 20 or 30% uh, going into the last week. I actually got stopped out of it. I had a pretty tight stop, like around like 17 or so. And I decided to not put anything back on. I went into the, the print completely naked today. Uh, so that was, uh, <laughs> that went well, fortunately. Um, trying to wrap my head around this idea of, uh, I'm fighting a couple of things here. Like I, I, I think, I, I mean, I've been saying it a lot lately. Like, I think the last inflation print was the peak. I do think that returns in the stock market, once you hit peak inflation, tend to be really, really strong over the next six to twelve months. Um, assuming you know that that was uh, peak inflation, but I'm, I'm trying to wrestle that with the the uh the, 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 net, QT, liquidity. the net liquidity yep. the worldwide net liquidity this is this is something i've become like really interested in and been diving more deeply into uh the la- the last hidden forces pod was really good with uh cross cross border capital i think their name is they actually own liquidity.com i believe which is a hell of a domain name <laughs> they bought it bought it in like the 90s or something um so trying to wrestle like part of me is like we've We've hit the peak. I think we're going up from here. But then part of me is also like, okay, the liquidity thing is real. Also, I think you're still a little blind if you completely ignore high inflation, even if it is trending slightly downward. And there is this open question of like how down is down enough for us to like truly have the Fed take the uh, the, the foot off the brakes. Um, that and you know trying to wrestle with the implications of a, a of a yield curve that I, I guess today uh, steepened a little bit, but is still quite quite inverted. Um, the what? twos and the tens, or the oh, it's, it's almost like, <laughs> like everything. It's man. almost like <laughs> tens and thirty days going to be inverted pretty soon. Yeah, it's it's quite steep. I, I think today today there was a bit of a flattener with the the print um, or steepener. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's everything I'm thinking about, and I'm I'm I you know I I plan on just being super aggressively positioned at like a really difficult level where I wanted to throw up because I just thought it would be easier to stomach getting in there, and I didn't know when I would get long like if we pumped from there. So I'm planning on sort of aggressively taking some 
profits going into the merge, I think, and then kind of reevaluating from there. I just want to throw one more thing out before we get to Armand's alpha. Mm-hmm. Like um, something that's happening in the back of my mind is uh, it's something we talked about about a month ago when Druckenmiller went on that interview. And he was saying, like, I closed out all my shorts. He did that right about the bottom. And he's like, but I will look to get back into my shorts if the market presents that opportunity. And I feel like the opportunity is knocking on his door. So is that something that you're considering? Um, I mean, I'm considering going into cash again at some point. I, I think there is a, I mean, I've been saying this for a bit, but I think there's a very high probability of a, uh, I think uh, Paulo Macro on Twitter calls it a Mac, Mac stupid event, you know, like a echo bubble, whatever you want to call it, like where you have this like insane run up that is truly so great that everybody thinks like it can't possibly be anything other than a new bull market. And then, you know, I, I don't I don't think people have been quite put to the test yet. I, I wouldn't shock me if we traded down from here. It, it wouldn't. But like I have, you know, the possibility of budgeted in that we go to new all time highs on the S and P and go to 50,000 Bitcoin. Like those are things I'm aware of as a potential scenario, even if we do still make new lows at some point in the next year. So we'd love to see it. Yeah. It's trying to process all that and just kind of take it month by month really. And just reevaluate uh, strong, strong convictions, loosely held. type Smart. thing. Yep. Cool. I love that. Um, I've been mostly thinking about the merge, doing a lot of homework. Well, not enough. I want to do a lot more. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sticking on Lido right now, but I've been looking at Rocket Pool and I've been looking at something that was thrown out in our Discord, All Nodes, which really takes a lot of the heavy lifting out of that process. And um, honestly, just preparing and learning for that side of things. I love hearing you guys talk about this stuff because I just find it as like the learning for the sake of learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's about all it does for me because I I will not, I have not taken the time to think in the time cycles that you guys do. For me, it's like three months, six months. That's the level that my moves are at. So in preparation for the merge, I'm just thinking about how I want to play that. Not necessarily to the degree that Steven is talking about. I don't think I would take, I, I, I don't think I would sell, you know, pumping into the merge necessarily i'm just looking to position myself properly for the next five to seven years when it comes to crypto but there are buckets that are getting fuller than i would like at times and so i'll do some reallocation here and there at times but now i love all the macro stuff and um i think in particular what is that oh that's our time (laughs) i think uh the most fascinating part of all of this is like people just bringing their minds together to try to figure out where the world is going and take advantage of that. And that is like, everyone's trying to figure out the science to that. And that's the most fascinating part about all of this is like all these knobs and levers and trying to figure out um, what is actually in relation to the other. And it's very new to a lot of us, but in particular for, for me. So I just find it all very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, from this conversation, I've, I think I just came to my mind that I've had some level of improvement when it comes to investing. Like I think I used to invest for like one outcome that I thought was going to happen. And now I feel better about um, prepared for out multiple outcomes because they're all probabilistic. And, uh, you know, I, f- I feel better positioned, you know, even though some part of the portfolio loses, some part of wins. But in, in the end, it should work out well. And I don't feel uncomfortable no matter 
uh, which way the market goes. So that I, I think that's been an improvement just from these conversations. Yeah. You just remind me of something that I, I don't think we talked about in the money episode, in the get get rich quick episode. But like my <laughs> game plan to getting rich literally my entire life was uh, Vanguard in- index funds with a tiny amount of crypto. And uh, that has been the path to wealth, the guaranteed uh, lowest sort of like action, lowest volatility, highest performance, set it and forget it path to wealth for the last like forever, for like multiple generations. And this is the first generation in which that is no longer really on the table anymore. And so what this does, I I think it could be, but you 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 stand to you basically are sitting on the sidelines in some very important matters yeah uh, i think of it more of as like a get rich with certainty rather than a get rich quick yeah i question the path as a whole the stock market as a whole the future of like oh well i think I, businesses will continue to make money I, I'm sure i mean i think it depends on the business though right i, I would segment the stocks into like three buckets i think there are buckets that are exposed to like energy and mining and commodities there are stocks that are i would put in like the super high growth like really long duration stuff and then the stuff like that's kind of everything else i kind of feel like that everything else bucket is going to suck over the next mm. decade I can make a really good argument for like high growth super long duration stuff to do really well although i might argue you may as well buy bitcoin or ethereum to, to fill Yep. that particular bucket and then the other bucket that i think will do really really well would be the you know energy commodity that's exposure. the purpose of the index stuff right you but don't the, have to think about that yeah <laughs> but that basically guarantees you you get like half the return right but, like if you could is, cut off it is a get rich with certainty because you yeah. get exposure to all of it and you don't have to really do anything you, you contribute I, I, every two I just, weeks i just kind of feel like your return will be like three percent though you know it won't be it won't be nine and then that just that's, feels that's a big it, thing. It, and you're not getting rich off three, right? People are only getting rich off three because they're making tons of money and they're saving a ton of it. And a lot of that compounding is coming from increasing the principal. But like 3% compounded for 20 years is... It's not... It's yeah. Not, not, it's below the historical rate as well. It's not, not boat money. Well, I think the Robo biggest thing is like maybe. when you know crypto exists, it's hard to just sit there and play with, do absolutely nothing with, yeah. with index funds. All my and so, AT&T stock for its 3%. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Uh, I think it's, 6%. It's, <laughs> it feels. Really? That's pretty good. It feels obsolete. And then you. He's uh, got a hard you, <laughs> yeah. you, you step into the up. world of crypto and you have to worry about privacy for the first time ever. So let's talk. Wow. He's back. Oh, <laughs> nice. Things that you never thought that you would have to care about. This beautiful, open, decentralized, permissionless world. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit. Um, how do I how do I guarantee any level of privacy? And uh, we're under attack. So tell us how this all works, Stephen. Oh, we're all screwed now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't know what to to do now. Do you think it's the end of any sort of privacy in our future? Can I can I ask a simpleton simpleton question? Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never used Tornado Cash because I've I've always thought that Tornado Cash like would put a bullseye on your back Mm because it it just seemed like low hanging fruit for uh, the powers that be. Yeah. My question about it, and this is like the simpleton question is like, are they going to go back in time and look at that? Or is this like a starting now, like anyone who uses it? No, like- they're not going to sanction people who used it in the past. But okay. like if you use it now, you are playing with fire. Yeah. Okay. Like serious fire. Like serious fire, like jail yeah. time. Well, can you yeah, give a rundown fire. very quick on like what happened to the OFAC? Uh, and can you just like give a quick sum- summary about what, what transpired? Yeah, so... 
basically the US Treasury decided uh hey we're gonna uh we're gonna blacklist a bunch of these addresses and basically this entire contract, the tornado cash contract. The addresses were associated to the smart contract, not to individuals. Am I right? No. Some of them were definitely just individual addresses. Like I think one of them was related to, wasn't there like an address related to Gitcoin or something? Yeah. Yeah. And there was like a ENS, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, Gitcoin was in there. Um, there. There were a handful. Yeah, I mean, Blinken came out with some tweet, and he was like, this was created by North Korean hacker, and he got dunked on immediately, because yeah. it, it wasn't. Like, a lot of people were like, I have I know the devs. I've, I've spoken to them. They're quite not North Korean. Um, he deleted that, took it down, put up some other tweet. But like, the, the bottom line is, like, this is like the sort of designation that's given to terrorists, terrorist organizations, nations that support terrorism. Like, you are not allowed... To do business, it's like how in the U.S., like you're not allowed to do business with like Iran or Cuba, these these entities without like express permission from the government, or like very bad things happen to you. Like this is like very very top tier, you go to jail kind of financial crimes type stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a really really severe designation. It's the first time I'm aware that the government has done this to any sort of of, of protocol. Um, and the reason there was a big uptick this year, right? In overall volume, but volume that they associate toward laundering. Yeah, I mean, there was that one-time hack that was at the Lazarus Group. They took down like six hundred million or something mm-hmm. out of the Ronin. Yeah, Axie so, Infinity. I mean, but I mean specifically for yeah Tornado. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the exact numbers of Tornado. I, I know somebody did an analysis said like five or ten percent of the funds are traceable I'm, to hacks. I or have one. Like that. I have one in front of me. Yeah, uh, so. And this is from Chainalysis. So obviously Chainalysis like uh, gets money from the government for providing services. So you may think this could be biased, but essentially uh, this is a pie chart that looks at cryptocurrency received by Tornado Cash by source. And they put about 50% of it uh, DeFi, uh, close to let's call it 20% from central exchanges. Um, but if you kind of round it up, it's like 18, another 20% that are either from stolen funds or sanctioned groups slash individuals. So, um, no, sorry, I take that back. It's close to 30%. That's high. 30% is what Chainalysis says. Chainalysis. But what you're saying is like 70% is is not. It's using it for, for yeah, the tool. I mean, th- 30% is bad if it's 30. I feel like it's not 30 it, in reality. But okay. I, but it, like the 70% of users, the majority of users are probably using it for privacy purposes, not for money laundering. Well, you're talking about percentage of users. I think what Chainalysis is looking at is percentage oh, of funds. Dollars. Dollar dollars. amounts. So that's oh, why it may sound oh. uh, you know, more than you expected yeah. because you have know, a $400 million hack. Huge amounts. We're going to have a billion yeah. dollars there a couple of times. Right. And I think what, what is numbers. unique about this sanctioning is that it's essentially a tool. It's not a person, a country, a corporation. It's it's a tool, and it's that's also what makes it unique. It's also what makes it really really silly, because like I think they were particularly looking at the Lazarus Group, which is associated with North Korean hackers, and this is a tool they used. It wasn't you know Tornado Cash is not like a corporation or an entity, but those North Korean hackers also used a computer and a browser and an internet connection. Like they use several tools to uh, go about this hack, and we've talked about how like you know certain types of technology can be used for good and evil. You know, gasoline can power your car. It can also, you know, power a tank. 
um, there's like unlimited number of like analogies that you could can make this like Apple air tags, right? They could be used to find your lost keys or they could be used for human trafficking. And so, you know, I kind of put this situation in that bucket of like a technology that can be used for good or evil. It's just really unique and also silly that they sanctioned a tool, which is essentially like some open source code uh, that's yeah. quite decentralized. They, they sanctioned code. They sanctioned it's a weird thing. Like, like right. as you said, like I, as far as I know, this is the first time they've ever sanctioned a non-person entity. Like, almost doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. It's like they try to apply this like old thing that they do to this new paradigm where the rules of engagement don't quite fit, and that sort of you know resulted in this kind of hilarious like trolling that's been going on, where some guy is just sending celebs you know, dust amounts of or not even dust. I mean, he said right. like dozens if not like over 100 celebs now like 0.1 ETH from tornado cash to kind of make a point it's kind of like a chaotic good type mm-hmm. thing going on there can i ask another simpleton question it's mm-hmm. like um so they sanctioned tornado cash they didn't sanction mixing services right like so like anyone could spin up another mixing service where you could get the same outcome as so long as it's not tornado cash yeah, I don't think it's that. as easy as copy pastaing the the code over, but yeah, essentially, I think I think you could. I mean, I think you pretty you know be aware of what the eventual mm-hmm. fate could be of that project. But it'd be nice if there was but twenty I think, of them. I think there's like been torrent services that've been fighting this battle for a long time. Pirate Good Bay analogy. has like uh, spun up different websites over and over again. Okay, yeah, but you know inevitable. You, you know what's thing. different though is like a, a mixer and the way it works like relies on a, like a critical mass of people to be using it. Right. So like, does file share, but but I get your point. Like specifically in a mixer, you need liquidity. Yeah, you need you need enough people putting funds in and out so that a very basic like five year old chain analysis thing can't be like, oh, that's that's you need obfuscation. Well. Like if it's just you the know. four of us and you're like, yeah. nice job, yeah. guys. Like if like yeah. one person is using Tornado Cash every six days, it's like you're not you're not hiding from anybody right like the mixer isn't like some magic thing that vanishes the money it, it works on the principle of tons of people all pooling in their funds and then kind of like withdrawing it at various times to different addresses and, and you're supposed to use like you know vpns and stuff and you, there's there's a lot of ways to get caught using tornado cash it's it's not in and of itself foolproof and in, in, in this slightest. is what i wanted to discuss with <laughs> Stephen. Yeah. you know and it's not from a get caught perspective but more so like uh wanted to learn the actual um how how the privacy mechanics really do work because it sounds like it's not as simple as like plug and play yeah for most people it's not it's funny because when when we were talking about using tornado cash i was like i highly recommend like funding the tornado cash from some sort of like you, you were confused at this right you're like well how do i fund tornado cash from a wallet like if i need to use tornado cash to get anonymity and, and all, all i was saying is like don't take your default like .eth account and then just put all the money in it from like give yourself like some plausible deniability or space in the event that like something happens in the future. Like, I don't know, send it to your Coinbase and then like send it to KuCoin or something and then withdraw from KuCoin to a totally new wallet and then send oh. it from there to another wallet. And then well, you were saying cash. No, you, I, to, to make sure I understand, you were saying you were comparing Tornado Cash to just sending the money to a centralized exchange. No, no, no. We're talking about a different conversation. You were talking about if I want to use Tornado Cash. And I was like, yes, but there you can't just use it, right? You have right. to follow these other best practices. And I was like, a good example of what not to do when using Tornado Cash is to take your publicly doxed ETH and just directly send a bunch of funds from it. Because God forbid in the future, this thing gets blacklisted. I, I think everyone knows not to do that. 
that that's pretty straightforward. Did you? Yeah, I, I don't think it makes sense. So the path would have been would have gone <laughs> Armanasadi.e back to Coinbase, I Coinbase to literally KuCoin, KuCoin to a brand new wallet, brand new wallet on the ETH blockchain to Tornado Cash, and then right. that would be ob- obfuscated enough. I don't know if you, if you quite remember, but you were comparing sending the mechanics of sending to an exchange versus you were like effectively. Oh yeah, yeah, that was, that was you were like they're that effectively they're the same. That was a thing. different conversation. That was a conversation on the benefits of using an exchange as a mixer versus using an actual mixer. Yeah. And then I was talking to you about so I want to know how you guys feel about if you do use all of this. Like what? How do you guys really feel about the fact that this well, happened mm-hmm. and the future of this? I, I immediately thought about the the enforcement part. Like how are they going to enforce it? Because it does impact like how you know how this changes how you operate potentially. Um, you know they're gonna they're gonna enforce it through the the businesses and entities that engage with it. So obviously, you know the biggest move that happened right after this was Circle, the company that manages the USDC stablecoin, um, also said we're gonna blacklist these same addresses because they don't want to um, you know reach the fate that Stephen talked about when uh, you kind of violate sanctions. And so that comes into play. Well, if USDC can can blacklist addresses, um, you know. Do you change the way your, your stable coins work? But I, I think, uh, you know, th- they'll continue to do that, you know, I guess enforce via other entities and most likely businesses, maybe not so much individuals because that's might be tougher to do and, and not have as much uh, impact as they want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the first one is maybe discuss, you know, do we, do we use different stable coins now? Like USDC mm. is my like uh, preferred way. Yeah. But I mean, and, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a separate. I think I think it's a good discussion, like the the alpha discussion. I don't know. Like, do you, do you want to talk more about the implications? I just want to know if you guys going? care about we privacy. Care? Do we care about privacy? So let, let me talk to that point specifically. I think we all care about privacy. And first of all, like none of us want to know how much money anyone has. Like nobody, like none of us give a fuck about that. I actually like would prefer not to know. So like in in that simple framework, like. As easy as me transferring crypto CFA.eth or you transfer Amazon.eth to another wallet is is probably removed enough to just avoid that problem. And and maybe you can go like two steps. Like if, if you just want to avoid people knowing how much money you have, I think that's that's probably sufficient because like nobody knows who uh, this wallet address is assigned to that you sent you know 50 ETH over to. Yeah, I think I think I'm kind of in that camp. Like, I assume the IRS is going to have some tools to, you know, figure out what what you owe. Eventually, you know, I'm sure they're engaging Palantir to like, you know, figure this stuff out on a massive scale. So, like, I'm just going to assume that like, whether it's in two years or five years or seven years, like that information will be able to be figured out. So, you know, in terms of privacy, I think it's just. I don't really want everyone to know how much I have, mm-hmm. which is why it's spread across so wallets. Is, but this is what I'm saying. And then well. IRS, I don't really care about. I'm not, you know, trying to invade anything. And then, yeah, I don't think any other, I'm not doing anything bad. So yeah, I, I think the only person or entity that should know, like, should be the IRS. And you kind of, I personally want that to be a closed loop where, like, it's truly private between myself and the government and that's it. But like to have all this stuff, to have chain analysis out there and to have future companies out there that are going to be just like perhaps making this uh, accessible. Well, let me throw throw a curveball in here. Let's annoying. say let's say in three or four years, they're like no DeFi. I don't know how they would do that. But let's just say it's the point of yeah. view of the government that we don't want you to use these DeFi protocols and services. Then at that point, you might be like, well, fuck that. Like I want to use these like they're they're useful to me in my financial freedom. 
in that case, you know, doing some like a uh, good OPSEC leading up to that way before, you know, would, would be useful if that, you know, does happen in the future. That's the only scenario I could think of. It's where you kind of need to be off the grid because you're going to intentionally like work outside the system, hmm. you know, if, if that ever does come true. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I kind of disagree with what Armand is saying. Like, I don't want the government to, I don't want to be private between me and the government. I want to be private between me and nobody else. I mean, I have one, but they have that's to know, like, semi- no, sure. They do. The government has to know like my P and L doesn't have to have a full blockchain based record of every transaction that I ever take financially. I don't, oh, I, well, I think that's that, what I'm saying too. Yeah. Well, when you, so you, you, so when you say it's between me and the government and nobody else, you mean it's between what you tell the government, not that you and the government share the same data set. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I'm do everything in my power to not be doxxed at all. I have like one wallet that's kind of doxxed and I, every other wallet I try to keep like as off the grid as possible. And that's not to say I don't pay taxes on those wallets. It's just to say like I'd. I don't want anybody knowing they exist. I don't want anybody tracking them. I don't see any, I, any good that can come of it. Yeah, and to be clear, like I, I don't think they they should know or deserve to know. Like they don't know how much cash I have in my house or my safe deposit box. Like they don't need to know that. Nor do I want them having more tools for surveillance just for the sake of having that surveillance for some time in the future. Like I don't want them to to do that. I just think you know the IRS will eventually try to figure stuff out on who's evading taxes and whatnot and that that'll eventually happen but I by no means want them or think they deserve to know by any means like what your personal financial they just you know where know, your cash is and uh how much like, do you owe us yeah that's it but yeah. that's 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 the most important that's the yeah. only person I think that should know that <laughs> right by you telling them yeah right, by yeah. you telling them yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean that makes more sense I'm glad glad that's your position don't worry I don't want to give it all up yeah <laughs> No, I like I. Like, you're, I'm you're, more libertarian than you. <laughs> your cash point is a good one, right? Because for like the majority of human history, it was just a given that your finances are sort of private, and we're we're like slowly inching into this world where that's not the case. And a lot of people think that surveillance is almost becoming the default that mm-hmm. it's a right for the government to know these things. And I think everybody in crypto needs to pound the table and just say like no like we're not gonna let this happen and i i think that stuff like the tornado guy's been doing lately where he's just absolutely sowing seeds of chaos everywhere if if everybody in the world just does that and everybody becomes unruly and like technology is going to keep moving faster than they can enforce stuff they're eventually going to probably go into some sort of draconian like force-based full like authoritarian type measures if they want to keep pursuing it because they can't just ban smart contracts and think that that's going to 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 work really um i'm sure a good enterprising lawyer will pick up this case at some point yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm curious like if if they decide this is a kind of a free speech thing like if can the government ban you from interacting with code on the the internet like i i don't know these are all interesting questions i mean we have a future of a bunch of these True. interesting questions across Torrent various sites. areas of of technology right so this Torrent is sites, the, napster of course they can th- those are different because they are controlled by central entities they have like somebody that is sort of like hosting them or something i think blockchain is different because this is just purely something that is out there 
in the in the ether like nobody needs to host the website there's no company that can shut it down like like when government goes after people who are doing limewire and so, like there's a computer and they'd be like you shut this down you are, you have this server and it is serving illegal information and it's a little different for me if it is like an immutable smart contract that cannot be taken down and isn't hosted by anybody and is just just out there like it's not something we've dealt with before so what about the irony between the idea that like cryptography is intended to be secretive but then the blockchain inherently is public like there's an irony there where it's like um you know like in on the one hand you would think this would be like the the best vehicle for uh, nefarious actors but on the other hand it's like the nefarious actors are fully transparent and like so easy to capture because it's like this is a transparent ledger where we like you know there is an inherent uh, dichotomy there uh, yeah but i think that's the current state of the technology and i i would think that people and they've said on previous podcasts like people in intelligence uh groups know that like if a country uses bitcoin or ethereum or anything else to to move money around it's very easy for them to to track it it's easier than if it was cash or maybe even the traditional Speaking banking switch. Did you see that Iran announcement today? They uh okay, the will Iran- start accepting- the Iranian government announced that they did a ten million dollar Bitcoin based trade on imports. Yep. And I was like, oh boy, there's a there's a shot across the bow. Right. Wait, hold on. I did not hear that. Yeah, I saw it this morning. Do, do was, you know what they traded though? Like what the they did, good I don't or service think was? They said what the imports were. They yeah, just announced that they yeah. used Who's Bitcoin. The party? To, what is like what is Well, it's that? probably not oil because they're exporting. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it would be something like that because that would be a, a bigger headline for sure if it was oil, but uh yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just like, "Oh man, where is this where is this going? Where's where's this going?" I mean, I'm curious your thoughts on it, but when I look at the when I look at the crypto landscape, um, even just Ethereum, right? The whole ecosystem is basically settled in dollars. And unless you just want to live in crypto forever on the blockchain, eventually you have to pull that money into a centralized exchange and trade it for fiat, right? And then once you do that, there aren't that many choke points in the world that the U.S. government does not have their... Uh, hands in right so it, it doesn't seem to me like it would be that difficult for them to enact a whole bunch of draconian policies that just basically prohibit every major exchange in the world from processing these transactions right if they're x number of hops from whatever like they'll they'll force them to do chain analysis or and it's it's going to it, it's going to be a mess and i'm sure it'll cause like if we go down that route there's going to be a huge incentive to have all of these kind of black market exchanges pop up that you know, do shady offshore banking, but give you like an exit route. And it, it's, it's going to be a complete shit show if we go down that route. Yeah. To go back to Eric's point, I do think like there, the, the technology will develop where you could possibly do transactions pr- privately where you're not necessarily exposing your, your address. I don't know if ZK proofs exactly do this, but I think the bankless boys are going to probably get to do like a deep dive on probably the technology and where it might develop and, and what might be the secure, like the privacy implications uh, from that it's yeah, gotta I mean, be interesting that, to that's dive a good into point. like so the, the the next logical step is okay we we banned we banned tornado cat are we going to ban entire like there are privacy focused layer ones and layer twos right that are entirely like like secret cash and uh aztec aztec is aztec entirely pri- like is that whole thing just nuked like any wallet that ever touches that 
the bridges there is just gone. It's, it's just so easy to, to do that with the, the nature of the blockchain as it is. Like, I, I just wonder what the ripple effect is. My, my, my optimistic self is, is hoping that like them going through this process is them going through the learning process of like, oh, well, we, we said we sanctioned these, but that actually doesn't accomplish what we want. And this is why. And they learn why. And they keep going through this method and they, they make mistakes look silly, but it's a, it's a way for the institution to like build knowledge and learn. That's what I would like to hope. My realistic self is, <laughs> that, <laughs> my realistic self is that Nick Urbani himself uh, sees opportunity and spins up an offshore bank to be able to like uh, exchange cheap uh, crypto. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be nice. But uh, I like to stay in the good graces, uh, good graces of uh, the flag I live under. Um he used to, he thought, used about to it, thought about it. Smithers? <laughs> yeah. the, hat, the hat used the to be sp- a little gray. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if you guys are making any moves on the basis of this. Um, I, I think I told you guys, I was, I was going to talk about it in the alfalfa round, and I figured it's probably better for here. But I think I mentioned that I was, uh, was going to sell all my USDC because I just don't see the benefit of holding this thing where it can just, I, I don't know, just touch the you wrong. A, you had a pretty aggressive uh, tweet there the other day. Would you like to? I think that's important. Yeah, what was context. the tweet? That's yeah. just a, it's just a copy pasta of SBS. Okay. Not my words. Okay, right. what was the tweet? Just yeah. farming engagement. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, sell, sell your USDC. Sell your USDC right now at, at a dollar and tell Circle to go fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, was, uh, so what would you um, rather hold? What dollar stable coin would you rather hold than USDC? Okay, so my my favorite one is LUSD from Liquidity. Is that over collateralized by ETH? Yeah. Okay. I think Liquidity, Liquidity, Liquidity. I don't know how to pronounce it. Liquidity is a is, is a really interesting project. I mean, I farmed it way back in the day when it had immense like rewards, and obviously the coin dumped very, very, very badly as a result of that. But the protocol itself is 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 good. Um, a lot of OGs like it. It's very it, the, the founders are docs the tokenomics of it are pretty good it's like, like it's original like, maker like when it's over collateralized 100 percent by eth only yeah it's it's yeah and it's it's got this kind of stability pool mechanism that's kind of interesting like you can farm at nine and a half percent and also it serves as a way to buy cheap ETH, like if people get liquidated. I know Tetranode was posting that he bought a bunch of ETH at like $880 via the liquidity pool, like liquidations with his cash, which is kind of interesting. Um, so I think that's an interesting project and I'm looking to put money there. Uh, Reflexor, have you guys heard of Reflexor? Rye? I've, I've heard of Rye. I've heard of Rye. It's a good project that's kind of complicated and i think people can't wrap their head around it it's not pegged to a dollar so it's confusing like they didn't want to do it to a dollar because then people would think it was depegging. there's a whole bunch of stuff people can check that out but i, I think it's a really interesting uh long-term project i i also think susd you know synthetics usd is is interesting and there's some good farming good, opportunities good for it good rewards on uh yeah um just just or even if you don't like mint it with synthetics, well, there's still just good farming opportunity. Like like Lira Finance has dude, a yeah. really good vault with it. I used to use Lira to to do my options stuff, and you would use SUSD mm-hmm. for all of that. Hmm. I mean, so you haven't mentioned Dai, but I assume because Dai is backed like what yeah, over sixty percent by same thing with Frax. They're I love the projects, and I don't 
think there'll be a problem there. But like, if I'm going through the jump through the hoops to kind of sell this, it's like a die is like kind of like wrapped USD. Well, how much a, is die backed by ETH versus USD? It's over sixty percent. A lot. USD. Yeah. USDC. Wow. USDC. Sorry, I keep saying that. It's 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 a big number. Um, and and I I would honestly probably put the rest of the cash that I can't farm or that I don't I don't want too much exposure to. I would just put it in tether at this point. To be honest, that is the better of of, of all mm. problems. That's like the. I feel like my. Money wow. is way less likely to get frozen using Tether than USDC in this this paradigm. That's a just, big. But, but, when you're talking about Dai, the situation you're talking about is, let's say, I don't know, makers contracts become part of this sanctioned list, right? And then all of a sudden, the collateral is not worth anything, and then Dai potentially and, and that, what that's situation what we're talking. About. Would that even happen? I don't know. Like, maybe they come out with a central you know, bank digital currency. And they're like, we don't like your other ones that don't follow our rules or our set. So we don't like dies. So yeah, CEO circle is basically, he just tweeted. He's like, we are this regular. These are the regulations. We were under this license. The government said this, so we have to do it. And we did it. And that was the tweet. Right. It's like, okay, that's, that makes sense. But do you want to be a part of that? I don't, I don't know. So, so yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no like obvious answer. Is, is where I'm, I'm sort of landing here. No. There's no like right answer that's like, this is the place to hold your cash if you want to be stable coin. Like, because Tether has its own risks and uh, yeah. all these things have like smart contract risk. And, uh, you know, there's no, there's no like right one right now. It's the, it's the trilemma, right? Like stable coins have their own trilemma. It's like you can, there's scalability, there's centralization, you know, and then there's the, security. Yeah, I mean, it's like you, you kind of pick Two out of the three, and you, you go with it. And I, I think it's 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 a rough rough time to rough time to be in stable. Right I think now, if but. LUSD like just over collateralized by ETH, you know, grew in market cap, grew in size, grew in liquidity, that that, that would be interesting. That would be yeah. I, I mean, I suspect they'll just suffer from the scaling issue. I mean, even when I but before tornado, I was looking into LUSD and it was trading at like a dollar two. It's just like this is like a problem. I think when your coin can't really scale to this, why Maker accepts USDCs. Is collateral because there's just not enough ETH to, to collateralize to, to issue to issue the coins. Right, there's not a dollar yeah. value in ETH. And I, if, I, ETH, if ETH went to 15k, then Dive could go easily. Like over yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's because yeah. yeah, there's a lot of more money in the system, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So if someone cared about privacy, what's the paths going forward? <laughs> I don't like privacy, like complete anonymity, like that. The best you could hope for, I think, is to do an in-person cash deal with somebody and have them send ETH to a completely What if it's fresh just address, a, you know? personal privacy, though? Like just, privacy around... I mean, I think your, you just... You never need to send them from centralized yeah, exchanges you never to... Yeah, you from that. You've always been able to just send it to an exchange and then send it from the exchange somewhere else and just kind of... Like your Coinbase wallet address, whether you, when you receive, you know, rotates. Yeah, so... So yeah. I, I think that's just the simplest answer for now. Like, obviously, if they get subpoenaed, you know, they're going right. to hand over that information. So as long as you're not, you know, doing it for uh, a, a legal mitigation, then it's probably fine. Just keep things semi-private. Mm. Dope. Cool. cool. Anything else on this? No. Nah. What are we talking about in the next episode? What are we talking about? Uh, oh, it's uh, testicles. Say it. Mass- Toxic masculinity no, is that what I have down? We're talking about toxic. Oh, masculinity. we're talking about for it. No, what's the title? Ta- we're, ta- we're talking about the the fall, the fall of masculinity. The, the fall. Of masculinity. You don't like the toxic. 
That's a different thing. Okay. You could you could say it's related in a way, but it's not the thesis. No, I, I don't agree with that. I, I don't want to do a whole toxic masculinity. Okay. I don't know what that voice was. All right. <laughs> just, until next time, Giorgio, cut that out. It's toxic masculinity. <laughs> we'll see you there. Later, guys. Much Bye, love, guys. guys. Peace.